Dear Lord, we thank you again for the chance to come together to share your truth, to get into your word, to continue to edify one another, to encourage one another regarding what you have written and your promises and, and what you have identified as truth for us so that we are not led astray and we're not led into falsehood and uh, we are walking according to your will. We know that uh, we are living in prophetic times with, with all the things that are going on, with the work that the enemy is doing. So I pray, Lord, that we will continue to hold fast to your truth, to walk in your will, to do as you have commanded us so that we can hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, to, you know, there's a lot that's been going on in the world as we as we see, uh, you know, from wars and political issues, financial issues, uh, you know, the economy, different perspectives and ideas about pronouns and how people want to be identified. I mean, there's so much going on in the world today. It's real easy to be distracted. It's real easy to not only uh, lose focus, but also to get carried away or to even become afraid to do what God has commanded us to do. Um, and this is definitely Satan's work. This is what he does. This is his game. The Bible told us these days are coming. It told us that this time would happen, that these things would actually occur, that there would be any and every form of wickedness happening in the world today. That is actually the new normal. Um, we're not going back to a place of peace. We're not going back to a place of, of happiness or where things are just, you know, simple and easy. It's going to continue to become a challenge for uh, us who say we walk in the faith. And in order for us to continue to stay emboldened and encouraged, we have to understand the truth of God's word. That is the most important piece to the faith. Because Satan knows that if he can serve us just a slight lie and we take it, then we can find ourselves following down complete contrary teachings of God's word. So one of the biggest issues uh, that are challenging believers today is the topic of grace and faith and works as it relates to salvation. Unfortunately, uh, this gospel that exists, uh, particularly on the West and throughout the world, is this gospel of self that because a person has professed Jesus Christ, they are no longer required to live righteous. There is no more an expectation to live righteous. And I've heard tons of excuses over the last few months about this lie. You know, some one person told me that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, uh, we don't no longer need to walk upright. That in the day, God is going to allow us into heaven. 
And I've heard a variety of statements similar to this. Um, you know, under these ideas of theologians and Bible scholars and philosophers, preachers and teachers who bring what God never asked for is their perspective. And they will defend their, their perspective or the perspective of someone else as if it is the faith, as if it is what Christ said. I can't tell you how many times someone would stand up for a preacher well before they'll stand up for the word of God and fight you over what a pastor said because they believe in that pastor more than they believe in Christ. And this is never the calling that Jesus Christ had for his disciples. He said, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded. That's what he said. He didn't say go study religion. He didn't say join some type of uh, philosophy group and, and, and pick up all these variations of doctrines. And the reason Jesus Christ said that they need the Holy Spirit is to do the will that God has for his children. There's no way to understand it, nor is there any way to do it until we have the Holy Spirit. We are simply left at our own thinking, our own human reasoning about God's word. And that's not enough. And the disciples proved this because they walked with Jesus. They heard him teach every message. They heard him perform and watched him perform a variety of miracles. And he spoke in in so many different parables, and yet they never understood. So he had to break things down to them because they had not received the Spirit of God yet to grasp and do what they uh, were commanded to do. But as I said before, we are living in prophetic times, and Paul talks about this in Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask that you not to be shaken in mind or troubled, either in spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of the Lord had come. He said, let no one deceive you by any means, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Paul made a very, very relevant statement here for us to know when the end times, when this, this, these last days would occur, and what would it look like before Jesus would arrive. And he said that it was going to be a falling away. That people will fall away from the truth and unfortunately live in lies, live according to, walk according to things that are not according to scripture. And he goes on to tell them in verse five, he says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. 
For the mystery of the lawless is at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, who the, who the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. He says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. He said, because they didn't receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. He says, they're going to be deceived. They're perishing and they're being deceived because they refuse to receive the love of the truth. And said, because of this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. I want to tell you that there is this idea that because of grace, righteousness is not an expectation. This is a lie from hell. And it's, and it's flowing through church institutions today. Many preachers preach it under this new doctrine. I'm refer, referred to as a reform but here you can see that um, that's not the case. The Bible says that God gives people a strong delusion that will cause them to believe the lie that they may be condemned, who do not believe the truth. And the reason they don't believe the truth is because they have pleasure in unrighteousness. They wanted to keep on doing the very things that they shouldn't have done. The very things that they were told not to do. In verse 13, he said, but we are bound to give thanks to God always to you, brethren, loved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for obtaining of our glory, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, Stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. And he's telling you that we are supposed to hold on to, stand fast and hold on to what was taught regarding the ministry of Jesus Christ. We, we're not supposed to uh, walk according to some preacher's perspective how they feel or what they think or some new revelation that's not in the Bible. If we don't, it says right here that God will send a strong delusion. And one thing we have to realize too is that this 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 word, these letters, these epistles, things that Paul and the, uh, the disciples are writing, they never wrote them to the world. I had someone tell me that, you know, these people that... Uh, Jesus Christ is, or, or, or the apostles are referring to, were basically those who never really, were never really of the faith. There are references that people who left because they were never of the faith, but that's not the entire writings of the Bible. Most of these are prophecies, teachings, and warnings to the people who are in the faith, who are who are who have accepted Jesus Christ. 
but rejected him, rejected the truth because they'd rather do what they wanted to do. You can't receive the truth if it was never presented to you. So we have to really look at this in our walk with Christ and who we listen to and what they say. I always warn people, if a pastor starts talking about, I feel, I, I assume, I think, then we need to, our eyebrows need to, to go up and we need to start looking in the word to see uh, what, if what they're saying is, it is accurate according to what is written in the Bible. I had someone quote some guy named John Calvin. I guess it was some form of belief regarding salvation. And he said the guy's one of the quotes that he had was no theologian will be 100 percent right all the time. But the Bible never told anybody to be a theologian. He said, go be a disciple. That's the reason why they can't be right 100 percent of the time. The Bible is clear. Let every man be a liar and God be true. When a man starts coming in on what they believe God's words broken down to. They're lying just like that because God never asked anybody to provide their perspective. He said, obey me, follow me, love the truth, walk in the truth, accept the truth. And we're going to talk about the law and the commandments. And we're not going to go through all the laws or the commandments, but we're going to talk about um, a real important piece to the law and the commandments that gets mixed up by, again, theologians, philosophers, or these people who think they know what God's word says, who are not speaking through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Today, many people will tell you because of the grace of God and what Christ did on the cross, that works is you following Christ's commands. The truth is, Following Christ's commands and the law are not the same. And the reason why the one of the biggest um, things you could identify this with is animal sacrifices. Christ never did or instructed or told anyone to do animal sacrifices. That was under the law, required of the law, because of the sins men continue to do. But because at the end of the day, people don't want to have a heart and do God's will. They don't want to walk in his will. They take the commands and they push it under or, or, or throw it in the same box as the law and then slide it under the umbrella of grace and say, we don't have to do that anymore. They use statements like, you know what? We're all sinners. We all far short of God's glory. So, you know, God knows my heart. All these different statements. But Jesus Christ said, if you love me, you keep my command. That's what he said. In fact, John even writes in 1 John chapter 2. He said, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, in righteousness. That, and he himself is appropriation for our sins. And not of ours only, but the whole world. I love this next part that John just really breaks down and, and devour these lies. 
that are built up in these church institutions that walk according to falsehood. In verse three, he says, now by this, we know that we know him, Jesus Christ, if we keep his commands. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we know him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk just as Jesus walked. So it's clear right here that John is telling us we have to keep the commandments of Christ. Not the law. Two separate things. Two separate categories. We have to keep what Christ has commanded us to do. Why This is why it's so important for us to study the word of God and not sit under a preacher. Because I can tell you myself, I grew up uh, in a church and all I heard about was grace. That's it. I didn't hear anything about obedience or, or holiness or, or righteousness. It was grace, 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 grace. So grace lets you come in a church acting the way you want, never changing, never taking, never going down the path of walking in the will of God because of his grace. And in the day, people say, well, he knows my heart. You, you're right. God does know your heart. However, he also, Christ also said by your, by your fruits, by the fruits, you shall know them. But when you look over at Hebrews chapter 10, verse one, and the law, we're going to really get into, um, how the law was changed through Christ. But even though it was changed, it didn't devour the commands of Jesus. In verse 1, chapter 10, Hebrews 10, chapter, in Hebrews 10, verse 1, it says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then they would not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have no more conscience of sins. But in those sins, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So a part of the law, a significant part of the law, was that every year animals had to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. And he said that because they did this, this continuous ritual of, of sacrificing animals, he said it was a constant reminder of sins. And that these animals could no, could no way take away sin. It was just an act. In verse 5, he says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. And I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It was written of me. To do your will, O God. 
Paul is speaking of when Christ talking about the fact that he came to be the once and for all sacrifice for everyone. So no longer will we have to do the sacrifices of bulls and goats and burnt offerings, sin offerings, or any of that. It was a done deal with Christ on the cross. In verse 8, previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sins you did not desire, nor have pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. And he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. And he's talking about the covenant. The first covenant is taken away. The new covenant is Christ Jesus. And we're going to see this as we continue. But that the will of he may be sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once and for all. In verse 11, and the priest stands ministering daily and and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. For that time, waiting till his enemies be made a footstool. He's talking about Jesus Christ. After he uh, rose again, he eventually, in 40 days, ascended to the throne. He was the only sacrifice worthy to sit next to God, not bulls, not goats, not any other kind of animal. And he rose again to sit there to be our intercessor, our mediator. He said, for by one offering, he may perfect it forever. Those who are being sanctified, sanctified, being sanctified, not those who are, those who are being sanctified, a journey, a walk. A continual process for our entire life. Some people will tell you, nope, you got saved, you completely sanctified, you're good. But Paul says, nope, you're being sanctified by he who perfected the sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. He says, but the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now there is no remission. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So there's no more of us sacrificing anything because Jesus Christ became the once and for all sacrifice. Now, a lot of people like to stop there. And I know because I hear it all the time. That's it. You can remember our sins no more. Neither are lawless deeds. Once and for all sacrifice. That's it. And they take the scripture to say somehow. Somehow because of what Christ did on the cross, that grace just keeps letting you do what you want to do. Under the guise of what well, we all far short of the glory of God. Absolutely. Absolutely, everyone sins and falls short of the glory of God. However, there will be some, as Paul said, that will turn away from the truth. There's a difference between falling short and turning away. We are living in the time of the great falling away. And this uh, are people who are in this season who have turned away from 
They haven't fallen short. They've completely walked away from the gospel, from the truth. And that's why he said they're going to have uh, uh, a delusion sent to them. They're going to be blinded and they won't even be able to see it because they refuse to receive the love of the truth. And here goes Paul explaining more about this, this truth, not leaving us to the say, yeah, you know what? We got grace and we're good. In verse 19, he says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. So Jesus Christ now is our high priest. We don't no longer need anybody like they do in the unfortunately Catholic Church where you got to go before the priest or the Pope, you know, and, and, and confess your sins and all this silly stuff that they do, call him father, stuff that is unbiblical. So we don't have to do that anymore. All we do is we go to Jesus Christ. He is our access point into the holiest. He says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And Paul says the same thing that he writes when he talks about the great falling away. He says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some doing, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So Paul basically said, look, yes, Jesus Christ became the once and for all sacrifice. And, and, and we have access into the holiest now. However, let's hold fast to the confession of our hope. And here's what he goes on to say if we don't in verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, and that is Christ. It's not some other uh, form of the gospel. That is the truth is Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, after we have have uh he said, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sacrificed a common thing, and insulted the grace, the Spirit of grace? For he know, for we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Again, the Lord will judge him. His people, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
So this right here completely eradicates the lie that because of what Christ did on the cross, we no longer have to uh, walk or in obedience. It completely dispels this myth. Now, this is just one of Paul's teachings, one of his letters that he writes. But there is tons of truth throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament scripture. That backs up what Paul is saying. Jesus Christ said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? He said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. When you look at Revelation, in chapter 3, he writes to seven churches of Asia. And each one of those, he gives warnings. And then the in Revelation 3, 5, he says that if you overcome, he said he will not blot your name out. I've had people tell me that, you know, you you go the people who confess Christ made a false profession. That's why they really weren't his followers. Well, there is no way to get your name in the book of life to have the opportunity for it to be blotted out with a false profession. Jesus Christ told us, Paul told us how we Get our names into the book of life. Believe on him. That's what it says. Believe on him. However, do not, choosing to not overcome, Christ says that names will be redacted. This faith is a lifelong journey. It is not a destination in time. We can just hit this place of, I believe in Jesus Christ and now I'm good to go. You know, it's a challenge. It was a challenge for me when I first understood this truth because I spent so much time in a variety of churches believing this. Because I sat under people and accepted what they said to be true rather than go in the word for myself and read it to see exactly what it says. And I I understand when people are frustrated when I share this truth because I used to be one of them. From Church of Christ, Church of God in Christ, Baptist, Seventh-day Adventists. You know, I've been to several of these church institutions and they all say the same thing. That that grace just gives you the green light. End of the day, if we don't keep Christ's commands, John said, we are a liar. And in Revelations, it tells us that liars will have their place in the lake of fire. How do we keep his commands? Through the Holy Spirit. Through receiving and being led by the Holy Spirit. There's no other way to do it. Doesn't matter what kind of theology school or Bible college or whatever these paid education programs are out there regarding trying to understand the word of God. Unless one has and follows the Holy Spirit, will be left stuck at somebody else's perspective or comfortable truth about God's word. Paul tells us clearly, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, if we keep on doing what we want to do, we can expect uh, everlasting contempt. Period. And he makes it very clear that he says that 
God will judge his people. This is all about God's people. This has nothing to do with the world. This has nothing to do with people that are not in the faith or people who are following Satanism. Or He's talking about uh, those who came into the faith, those who came into um, accepting Jesus Christ. He said the Lord will judge his people. Important to realize very, very, very important to realize. Because if we don't understand the truth, receive the truth, we're gonna get a we're gonna be we're gonna receive a delusion. This is just what the Bible tells us. And I see it all the time. People will argue with me all the time about God's word and tell me that I have this wrong idea, but it's clearly written in the Bible. I don't know how much more clear this can be. I mean, Revelation 3, 5 is clear in, it, in and of itself. Your name can come out of the, uh, the book of life. But because people are blinded, because they rather practice righteousness, they cannot see the very, very evident truth right in front of their face. This is why our heart needs to belong to God. Not this world, not our struggles, not our family members. Not our dreams and goals and things we want to accomplish. It needs to belong to God. That's why Paul said, let us draw near with a true heart full of assurance of faith. We can't be partial in this walk. We can't be. Because the enemy is out to deceive everybody he can. Any single soul he wants to deceive. And if you ever look at his tactics, it's all about offering something that pleases the flesh. That's it. He didn't need Jesus to, 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 to do anything crazy or off the wall. He came to him after 40 days of fasting and said, look, turn this stone into bread. Something simple, something he would need. Because he didn't have any food for 40 days. Makes all the sense in the world when you think logically. Why not? It's just a stone. But because he came to him with altered truths, he was a liar. He was a false teacher. A false preacher. But through fasting and through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, when you look at it, the Bible says that he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan. He didn't go into that fight without the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And he fasted. Fasting means denial of self. And then when it was time to fight, he came out victorious with the absolute word of God. Because the Bible says that Christ said three times, for it is written. Not <laughs> like I always hear, well, you know, Pastor John said this or, you know, Evangelist Sally said that. No, we need to quote what Jesus Christ said and those whom he called to establish the word that was given to us. That's how we fight and stay in the faith. We got to take our eyes off our problems. We got to take our eyes off of what's going on in the world. And we need to get back to and remain in foc focusing, completely fixated 
on Jesus Christ and what his word says. If somebody says anything to you, you need to go check it in the word of God. Sometimes, actually, there, actually there's several times I hear people say stuff to me. And I'm like, oh, that's not what it says. I know it doesn't say that. But I still go back and look at it more times than not before I reply to people because I want to quadruple check. So I make sure not only am I sharing the word as it was received from Christ, but in the context in which it applies. That's one of the biggest issues I see uh, is, the, is the context of scripture is taken out. Just like Satan did. He took the word of God out of context. If you be the son of man, turn this bread into the stone in the bread out of context. To appease the flesh. There are tons of preachers out there and don't let the popular ones fool you. Those neighborhood preachers. Oh, yeah. Test what they say too. test what you hear me say all the time. I go back and listen to some of the things I say, some of the uh, uh, podcasts that I do, and I make sure that what's being said is consistent with the word of God. Again, let every man be a liar and God be true. I used to quote preachers all the time. Then I realized this, this truth. Um, there's only one truth, and that's Jesus Christ. So let's test ourselves every day, walking according to the will that God has for us and making sure that we are in the faith as the Bible tells us. So this last thing I will say is this. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. So we got to examine ourselves. And the only way to do it effectively is through the word of God. Not through how we feel about it or what someone else says about it or what they, you know, because they've been preaching for 50 years, that, that doesn't matter. You could preach for 50 years and still come up with some lie down the road. That's Every man is fallible. Every man falls short of God's glory. So we got to stay in his will and be obedient. So that way, when this is when our time is up, when we have completed our race, we can finish this race according to the will of God and not ourselves. Dearly Father, we thank you for this truth that you provided us regarding faith, works, grace. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit to allow us to navigate all that comes forth through this world, and of course, your truth, your word. We thank you for favor. We thank you for grace and mercy. We thank you for 
allowing us to be in this body, your body, Christ, even though we don't deserve it. We pray that as this world continues to get darker, we will continue to shine bright with your light, the only true light, the light of Christ. I give you the glory and the honor, both now and forever. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.